Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Our scripture reading this evening comes from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Verse 1 begins, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let each one of you... But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever or whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I want to start this report by saying thank you. Thank you to the people here at West Hospital. Thank you to the mission committee. Thank you to the elders for their support of the India work. The church at West Hospital has been supporting work in India for a long time. Brother Rory Taylor, I think, brought, when he came to West Hospital, brought work here with him in India. And West Hospital's been involved in it ever since then. I don't know how many years that's been. Lisa and I have been involved in the work in India for over 30 years uh, that, uh, that we know of. The uh, church here supports preachers over there. You're supporting the work in providing Bibles. We take Bibles for granted. We all probably have four, five, six, seven, or more at home. We have them laying around everywhere. We have Bibles. They don't have Bibles. And they cherish Bibles. And you should see those people uh, scramble to get a Bible. And so the, the church here is helping with that and also with bicycles for the preachers over there. And, and a preacher uh, will travel on a bicycle. He will... He will travel to three or four, two or three, four villages a, a Sunday preaching. That's his means of getting around and, and working and teaching during the week over there. A bicycle is a great tool for them. And I thank you for that support. Also, I think there's many members here who come to me and give me money for the work over there, for various things, for widows and for sewing machines for widows, for orphans those type of things. Our golden seniors, you can't say enough for what they do. They've taken up money and given given money to 
to Willette for the work over there. So this congregation is heavily involved in the work in India, and I thank you for that. Our trip this time uh, was very good. I want to tell you a little bit about that tonight. You see, uh, there were six of us who, who made the trip this time, and uh, we, uh, we traveled probably, I think John, uh, you'll notice John Ratnam, he's the second one from the, the left there, uh, said we all uh, traveled about 1,800 miles this time. Uh, and, and when we were in regions where he was felt safe for us to go out by ourselves, we all went out by ourselves every day. This was one of those days we went out. We were at Rampa, and he sent us out. So that means six vehicles, six interpreters, six drivers uh, that uh, that have to go with you. And, and we would spend all day doing that. And, and uh, we would preach at least three villages uh, when we were by ourselves out. So you had a full day. Every evening when we came back in, the good ladies there at Rampa would have us a cup of coffee. And uh, even though it was, it was wintertime there, temperatures probably in the 80s, it was good. We looked forward to that cup of coffee, and they would wait for everyone to, to get back in. And you see us sitting there enjoying our cup of coffee. And uh, that's, they did that for us every afternoon. They also cooked for us while we were there, and that's important for us. The country of India. You see India imposed over the United States there, so it gives you an idea of just how big India is compared to the United States. And uh, uh, it's probably, uh, if you spread it all out, it might be as big as the United States if you left Alaska out, but uh, uh, it is a country with over a billion, I think a billion and a half souls in it. Then... Uh, you kind of see the area that we work in, Andre Pradesh State, uh, compared uh, to maybe the southern, uh, the southern uh, coast of Texas there. It's not a very big area that we're doing our work in uh, compared to the rest of India. But as I've told you before, there are 64 million people who live in the state of Andre Pradesh, and it's the size of the state of Alabama approximately about that size. This time, we ventured out of the Andre Pradesh some. We moved uh, up into the northern part of uh, above Andre Pradesh into Odessa State. Uh, didn't receive a very good welcome. And we went to another state. And uh, But we, we preached in three different states this time. While we were there, we ran into some opposition this time that, that we haven't ran into before. Uh, on our first full day there, the, uh, the officials, the police officials, stopped us and said, you can't preach. Uh, and so they stopped, stopped the preaching. We, uh, uh, it was one of those areas we went out two by two, and, and um, I, the guy I was out with, we preached at our first place, and we went to our second place to preach, and we pulled up, and uh, it was a leper colony, and we were supposed to preach there, which didn't bother me too bad. Uh, but uh, then it had another sign under that and said, other infectious diseases. And uh, I told the guys with me, I said, I don't worry about 
leprosy too much, but I wonder what those other infectious diseases are. Well, turns out the police told us we could not preach. And so we were forbidden to preach. First time we've ran into that. And it's becoming more difficult over there to spread the gospel. But God bless us. John Ratnam has a friend who is in the uh, police department. And uh, high up, he called him and said, what's happening? And uh, so he told him, I'll take care of that. That didn't happen again. We were not stopped anymore and told that we could not preach. We traveled a, a, lot, of, a lot of distance. A lot of the places we, we went to, working all right there we go a lot of the places we went to this time is in the in the mountain into the uh, into the regions there are very few roads uh, a lot of villages and uh, very difficult to get to uh, places that they have not been before there were a few churches in this in these places but we, uh, we went in there, and, and we spent a couple of days in there. And a lot of the places we had to walk into, uh, they uh, rented some Jeeps to help get us back into certain areas, and the Jeeps tore up. They didn't work, so uh, they rented a, a rickshaw, and it went for a little ways, and then they wound up walking. And, of course, I was I think I was the oldest one there on this trip, and and they were concerned about me having to travel and walk a lot, so they put me on a short route. And it turns out I had to walk off down in a big valley about a mile and then come back up out of there. And uh, so it was, uh, it was hot, and we did that. But we preached down there. There was a congregation down there. We came back up, and I guess the highlight of my trip, when we got back up there, uh, the, uh, the local preacher there, said, no, come with us, we're going to preach here. And he carried me to a denomination church, and I was able to preach there. And there were 12 people who responded to the gospel in that denomination church of about probably 50 members there, ones who do not believe that baptism is essential. And that's what I taught that day, the one church, and the essentials, uh, the necessity of baptism to save someone. And they obeyed the gospel. It's a beginning in that congregation, and hopefully it will continue there to teach those people the truth. I'm not sure what we got here. <laughs> Zach made this presentation, and, and you can ask any of the elders. I'm not a, I'm not a uh, electronics guru there. Do good unto all men. It's part of our scripture reading tonight, and we, we had that opportunity. I want you to see a children's home. Uh, it's, this is the first time I've been able to go to this area here. It's over the mountains, and we traveled most of the day to get over in here. But this was last summer. Uh, we were we we were in India in April. We didn't go here, but between April and November, Zach was there in November. It came a big rain, and this this uh, church building and children's home, and you can just barely see the top of the children's home, 
was flooded, and they're probably six or seven miles from the river. And the, and the floodwaters are that high, uh, up to the second floor on the church building there. And uh, so it, uh, they were able to get all the children out, get them into a safe place, and take care of them. Nobody lost their lives, but you can imagine what it looks like when the waters go back down. Uh, the preacher there, uh, was uh, he stayed there. He stayed in the building. And I'm not sure how long the waters were up, but he, he didn't have any food, and he was getting hungry. And there was food there, but he didn't know how to cook. I said, you don't know how to cook? And he said, yeah, my mother's always cooked for me. I said, I bet you know how to cook now, don't you? And he said, oh, yes, brother. <laughs> he learned how to cook to keep from starving. But the waters uh, were up. They went down. You see the children there. I want you to look at the smiles on their face. They're happy. Last year when Zach was there, he said these, after the flood, these children were uh, downtrodden, just looked like uh, it was the end of the world for them. And it was such a blessing to see them uh, laughing and playing and cutting up and running like our kids laugh and play and run and join themselves. Some of them were speaking English, and they were, they were glad to speak to us in English. Uh, these girls right here could speak English, and, and, and so they had conversations with us. But we played games with them and, and gave them uh, new blankets and, and new towels and, and just uh, helped them have a good time. They're all orphans, and uh, the church is taking care of them. I want you to look at the orphans at uh, Rampa. In the last year, uh, the, the population of their, their orphans has doubled. And there's over 200 orphans there now, and they're having to take care of them. I think John told me he carried us to the storeroom, and they have 50-pound bags of rice in there, and they were stacked up. And I think he said they, they, they feed about three of those 50-pound bags of rice a day is what it takes to feed those kids. And, and uh, you wouldn't believe what some of them little ones eat. And uh, they'll eat a lot of rice. You just can't imagine them eating that much, but they do. There's uh, orphans getting new blankets and new towels, and they really appreciate it. And they got new backpacks. Somebody uh, sent them, I think it was an orphan who had grown up there. Uh, in the orphan's home there who, who had grown up and moved on. And uh, he and his wife and his three kids, and we have a picture of them, he bought backpacks for all the children there to take their school books to school. And there's, there's some more of them getting that. We've started a custom in the last few years there that they, they always go out of their way to take care of us, and we, we decided that we need to show them some respect. And so we feed the widows and we feed the orphans there at, at Rampa. So we, they cook it, we dish it out, and uh, it, it's a big thrill for them. And you can see those little kids there with all that rice on their place, and, and they'll eat all of that, and, and some of them will ask for more. But they're smiling, they're happy. And uh, this is in preparing the food. It takes a, and you can imagine 200 and something orphans, 20 or 30 widows, and then the, the other people there to support them. It takes a lot of food, takes a lot of time and prep to take care of them. 
there's some of the boys, and you can see them smiling. They're happy. They're in a good place. They're being taught the scriptures, and they have a chance in life. Um, sorry for me. That's them washing their clothes. And uh, so you can imagine washing clothes for, for 250-something kids and widows and people, what a chore it would be. Well, someone uh, donated the money, and they have been able to buy two commercial washers and two commercial dryers, which has eased their burden tremendously in taking care of the orphans there at Rampa. And it's a, it's a, a, a job that they've committed to taking care of. The government brings these kids in here and when nobody else will take them, and John will not turn them away. He told us while we were there, when his dad was first converted, Brother B. Ratnam, that there was a man who had killed his wife and then killed himself, left two kids with no one to take care of them. And Brother Ratnam brought them home. And uh, you have to know Brother Ratnam and Sister B, and they both have gone on to their reward. But Sister B said, said, how are we going to feed them? We can't hardly feed our own kids. And he said, Sister, God will provide a way. And he has. God has provided a way for them to take care of them over there. This is a, uh, a reverse osmosis water filtration system. They've got that put in uh, so that they can have clean, pure water for the kids there. And uh, you don't know what this means for them. Uh, you would have to just be there and see what the water looks like in most places to really appreciate what this will do for them. You see the boys sleeping under a canopy. They don't have room for them to, to sleep, so they have them sleeping on mats out on the canopy at night, and uh, they're exposed to, uh, to the mosquitoes and malaria and everything else that's going around, but... They, they have two or three guards who stay there with those boys and stay awake at night, guarding them and protecting them. But God, is, again, has blessed them. They have some rooms and beds for them, but they're planning. They bought this property, which is right next door, and they uh, have cleared it, and they're fixing to build a home there to be able to put all the boys in the government. Uh, of course, brings them to them, but also regulates them and says they've got to have them separated from the girls. They cannot have them together. And so uh, they dedicated that site while we were there, and the construction will begin soon on that boy's home there. People have donated the money for that. That's the widows there. And, of course, I said there's 20-something widows, and, and they're involved with the kids helping take care of them and and bathing them and helping them get to, to uh, school, do all these things for them. You know, we, we need to remember these people in our prayers. We need to pray for them. Uh, they need continual financial support. I mean, you feeding 250 kids a day takes a lot of money. And then uh, they need, their plans are to finish the boys' home this year and expand the kitchen area to help a place for cooking. For them, do not grow weary in doing good, and that's what we need to think about. Uh, just typical building that we preached in, and uh, 
This is what we did every day. This is the mountainous regions that we traveled up into, and I told you about. We uh, we went into, and a lot of people have, have never been in there. We uh, one night we slept in tents there. There's no place to stay, and it was uh, it was about nine o'clock that night before we got to where the tents were. And I guess it was the tiredest I've ever been while I was over there. We got there about 9 o'clock, and it was raining. They had found us some warm rice somewhere, and uh, so they fed us supper and held umbrellas over us while we ate. And then we got through eating. Uh, I went crawled in the tent. Zach slept with me that night, and, and we were just laying on the ground, and I went to sleep. I I slept all night. I didn't wake up. I was give out. We woke up the next morning early, and Zach said, Dad, did you hear those wolves last night? And I said, No, I didn't hear any wolves last night. Some wolves had come through and were howling, and, and but I was so tired, I didn't hear them. But got up refreshed, and, and they cooked us breakfast, and we took off and, and spent the day preaching. We got stopped two or three times by the authorities over there. We were coming out of the mountains, and I think it was their drug enforcement people stopped us and searched us, checking for drugs. There was a lot of, some of our members, some of our team ran in and went through marijuana patches and stuff in there, and and uh, so they were searching, make sure we weren't hauling drugs out of there. We, uh, again, it's just that area that we were in. We uh, preached under canopies. We preached in buildings. We preached everywhere. Uh, brother John Anon, uh, we have a brother that interprets for us. and He, uh, he does that as we go. So into the Spirit. This is the, uh, the Herald School of Preaching. In Kakanata, it is where they take men who were denominational preachers who have been converted, and for them to be able to preach, they must go through the school of preaching. And they come in there and they're taught the scriptures right. They taught the truth so that they know that they will be teaching. They had this is their first graduation ever, and they they even retro graduated some of them because it's a big deal to them. To, uh, to be able to graduate from that school of preaching and to know that you have sound preachers that are going back to regions that they come out of and preach the truth. This is the uh, preaching school at Tooney. They have about 25 students there. It's in a two-year program. They're there five days a week. They're schooling five days a week. At night, they have to go out and preach and then come home and study and prepare for that. And then on the weekends, they have to go to their homes, wherever they're at. They ride a bus and they preach and and teach there and they come back. And after a two-year period, and it's modeled after basically the same curriculum that you see at some of our preaching schools here in the United States, a very thorough education for these men. The things that they have found out is that these men who are trained in these schools of preaching 
are doing a lot better job of evangelism than some of the other men who have not been trained as they have. And so I think it, it tells us something that they really need to put the emphasis on training these preachers, and they will do that. This is in a I can't pronounce the name of the town. It's the only time I've ever been there. We went over, and these three men that you see here converted about 50 denominational preachers in that area. And they brought them together. They bring them together once a month, and they're teaching them. Some of the people from the, uh, the Herald School of Preaching go over there and make the trip. It's a day trip for them to get there, but they're training them again. So we, all six of us, had presentations to do to these men, and we spent all day uh, preaching to these men, helping them to grow and help train them and to teach them the gospel the way it needs to be taught. And these men were excited about being involved in this. But these three men worked hard to bring them. This is one of the greatest things I think that has happened uh, in Rampa in a long time. Last year, Rudy Kane called and, and wanted to talk to someone about being able to translate all of the World Video Bible School uh, material into Telugu. And so Zach and the elders at, uh, at Willette met with him and they met John and uh, uh, matter of fact, John came here and they went out to Texas and met with him and talked to them and they worked this out. And the elders at Willette made the decision to build this studio. This studio is in Rampa. And I don't know a lot about studios, but my understanding is that you won't find one any better. And so what they're doing, the Indian brethren are taking the World Video Bible School uh, programs that they have and they're translating them into Telugu. That's what Brother Rudy Kane wanted. He had, there was a demand for it. See, Telugu, uh, a lot of those Indian brethren uh, leave India. They go to a lot of the places in Southeast Asia. A lot of them go to Dubai and for work because they can find work there and they can make a living. And so they have these videos that they can use for teaching other people in Telugu, people, th videos that they can read. Brother John told us that uh, some of the orphans, when they have finished their school and, and uh, of the age, he's been getting them jobs in Dubai. And they're going to Dubai, and they're there teaching the gospel. So it's a, it's a side benefit of raising these orphans, teaching them the gospel, and then they're moving on and, and teaching others. And that is, that is fantastic. And they're being able to do that without any cost to anybody at any time, to teach the gospel in other countries. But they're working, and it'll take some time to translate all those, but it will be available. Plus, they have a, a good studio for doing anything they want to do in the work in India. Bear another's burden, Galatians 6, 2 through 5. It's Brother John Ratnam and his wife, Endura. 
He works tirelessly for the church in India. Sister Endura, all of those orphans you saw in that picture, that's her job to take care of them. She has help, but she's the mother to all those kids who don't have a mother and father, and she spends all of her time helping take care of those orphans and see to it that they're fed, they're clothed, they're taught, they're taught the scriptures. And uh, I enjoyed the singing this morning from the Philippines. You ought to hear about 200 of them uh, little orphans singing over there that God is good. God is good. And it'll bring tears to your eyes. Knowing the situation they're in, and yet they can sit with a smile on their face saying, God is good. And He is good too. Sorry. Brother Solomon in uh, Tuni, he does what John does in Rampa, he takes care of the orphans there. He takes care of the preaching school there in Tooney, along with John Anna and the widows, and they preach the gospel there. This man right here and the lady behind him is an orphan that grew up at Rampa. That's his three daughters. He is the one that bought all the backpacks and brought them up there for those kids. You see what a difference it made in his life. He grew up, was taught the gospel. His wife was taught the gospel. He is a faithful Christian who's concerned about the widows and the orphans there. This lady, 91 years old, she is a widow there. She, uh, she gets $25 a month support. Of course, they feed her. She took her $25 a month, went to the market, and bought food for the orphans. That's what she did with her money. It reminds you of the, of the widow that Jesus said, who gave her one mite, she gave all she had. January the 4th, she went to her reward. She did what she could do. And it makes me ashamed sometimes. I don't think we're doing what we can do. These are some more of the orphans there. And it's very important that they be taken care of. Baptizing in a stream or in a pond or in a sewer canal, wherever they can find water, they're baptizing. They're preaching. Uh, this is actually uh, at Rampa uh, on a Sunday afternoon. There were several people who were restored who had been unfaithful, and they were brought back. Uh, they'd been encouraged, and, and they came forth asking for prayers of the church, repenting of their sins. I guess the question is, you know, 
Are you seeking to restore the fallen? Are you considering your spiritual life? Are you sowing good seed? Don't grow weary in well-doing and do good to all men. We, uh, we baptized on this trip 1,039 people during our preaching. It's not us. Those local preachers had been working and bringing people, been studying with them. 200 and something after we had left in December were baptized. Last year, there was almost 5,000 people who were baptized. It's unheard of. Unheard of. What are they doing to baptize that many people? They're working. They're teaching them the gospel. I heard a lesson from Brother Alan Howers a few years ago at PTP on the gospel. It's a lesson that I've taken and put together and I preach that in India. It's the gospel that's going to save people. The scriptures plainly teach us that. Paul, in writing to the Thessalonian brothers in 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter says that Christ is going to come back with his angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance upon those who know not God and who have not obeyed the gospel. I want you to think about that. If a person does not obey the gospel, they're going to be lost. I don't know how plainer the scriptures can get. You do not obey the gospel, you will be lost. What does it mean to obey the gospel? I think you've heard it said before, but to obey the gospel is to, to obey that form of doctrine that Paul was teaching the Roman brethren, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and to emulate that in baptism. When we're baptized, we're baptized, we go down into that grave, an old man, a sinful man, we're raised up just as Christ was raised from the grave. We're raised up a new man with our sins washed away. I don't know if there's any in this audience tonight who have not obeyed the gospel. I'm sure there's some. But you cannot go to heaven if you have not obeyed the gospel. You cannot go to heaven if you have not been baptized into Christ. Sometimes we obey the gospel, but we, we lose our focus and we become uh, with a state of mind. We don't care sometimes. We're not doing what we could do. We need, to, we need to change that. We need to ask for the prayers of the church. We need to be concerned about those who have not obeyed the gospel. 
we will have an opportunity in less than a month, or a little over a month, to be trained to help people to hear the gospel. We need to do that. This church needs to do that so that we will be a congregation that's pleasing to the Lord, preaching the gospel, and giving everyone, not only in India, the opportunity to hear it, but the people in Huntsville, Alabama, to hear the gospel that can save them. If you need to be baptized tonight, we encourage you to come as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, Please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.